ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Adrian. Welcome back to another episode of the Lux Unplugged podcast. In this episode, I'm getting together with Florin Felters, co-founder and CEO at Zortify. Zortify is a Luxembourg-based tech business specializing in an artificial intelligence process called Natural Language Processing, or NLP. As listeners will hear in a minute, this piece of technology is quite a game changer, as it essentially allows the user to derive key information from a person that's just jotted down a few words about themselves. This is particularly useful for companies searching for the right CEO or investors looking to invest in a startup where having the right founding team is quintessential. Like the famous ChatGPT tool, Sortify is coming in as a solid solution helping humans make better informed decisions and saves them a great deal of time along the way. Florian and I also discussed the benefits of operating the business from Luxembourg and how he's been navigating the challenges linked to hiring talent globally. But now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Florian Felters, co-founder and CEO at Sortify. Florian, welcome to the show. Hey, Adrian, thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to have you on. So before we start this fascinating discussion that I'm actually looking forward to, for the benefit of our audience, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, sure. So um, as you already said, I'm Florian. Uh, I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Sortify and uh, at least on paper, uh, the CEO. And um, by adding this, you already realize um, that I don't give that much on titles, etc. And um my, my history is uh, at University of Luxembourg, so I'm an alumni of the university. And um, yeah, it made me kind of stay in Luxembourg uh, to found this company. Maybe we can discuss a bit on, on Sortify later on. And um, what I, what I uh, see or what really drives me um, founding a company and dealing with all these topics on natural language processing and decision making in, in organizations is um, some of my, my very personal experiences yeah? and um, realizing having the stretch uh, in, in business world, in academia, and uh, very often realize, hey, they are not the right people in the in the positions to make decisions for example yeah and uh, that was something that bothered me my my whole life yeah so uh, questioning things and saying okay why why is this decision made or why shouldn't we make it in a different way yeah really questioning the status quo and then realize there are so many people there in positions and making decisions that maybe should not be there yeah, because they are only there because of their own reasons, not taking care about teams, about the company, etc. And there was something um, where I said, hey, if, if we could change this, yeah, if we could help companies to have the right people in the right positions, then everyone will be more happy, companies will be more successful, talking about sustainability, etc., and that is something what uh, what really drives me and what's in the end leads to founding a company and this company is Sortify. Any reasons why you didn't want to continue academia? Because it's a very different uh, path, isn't it? Um, honestly, it was always both worlds I, I were in. yeah. So um, And still in. yeah. So um, on one hand, academia and research um, helps, helps me, helps our company. 
to really gain knowledge and to really answer questions. And the questions are coming from, from the business world. Yeah? So we are doing research, applied research, for example, for problems in business life. Yeah? For example, understanding your employees yeah? or understanding text data in a way that was never been possible before. If you if you worked in in academia for some years and um, universities are maybe some somehow old school, yeah. Even if uh, if if the news topics are researched there, uh, the structures, the way how decisions are made, and um, there are a lot of things uh, in academia that you have to do, yeah. What is not really fun. So therefore. Using this 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 knowledge, the skills, how to how to um, let's say uh, create these questions and answer these questions in a in a scientific way uh, and apply it for business. That was always what fascinated me. So, by by what I gather, you're certainly a problem solver. Uh, otherwise, yeah, of course, you wouldn't have uh, launched a company, which is essentially the uh, the purpose of of a corporate venture. But uh, now, talking about Zortify, as you just mentioned. So you launched this uh, company back in 2018 in Luxembourg, where you've uh, you already spent a number of years, so you're very much uh, familiar with this uh, ecosystem. But uh, before we talk about this, so um, I'm very interested in actually understanding, so you've short, briefly alluded to it earlier, um, but uh, I'd like to understand what is the, the core of the mission of Sortify? Yeah, a bit on 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 how we how we how we uh, build Sortify. What is Sortify doing? And, and and I'm more than happy to take you a bit on this journey that we that we are uh, on for, since the last four years. Um, uh, Sortify um, from the Luxembourgish Sorten plus Unify. So we we bring things in order, yeah, and bring them together again. And in the end, the idea is to make information visible from text mostly that is normally not visible for the human eye. And how did we get there? So after my PhD in Luxembourg, I always worked as a consultant beside. Uh, I applied for a job and used for the first time or got for the first time in touch with NLP, natural language processing. So the way computers are able to process text. So uh, as as you think about how how kids are learning languages, yeah. So what understanding the text, uh, dealing with the text. So that is something what we can transfer, yeah. For example, to computers and teach them how to learn languages. And um, this technology I made use of uh, to write in, in job application yeah? and uh, get the data from, from the founders, from the teams to get more insights, presented this in a way uh, on a website for, for, the, for my application. And I realized, okay, there's, there's, with this technology, uh, it's kind of game changer because I have a chance to maybe better understand who's on the other side of the table. And not only they have the chance to ask me all the questions and get to know me. Yeah? Um, it was a company in Denmark. And uh, the, the funny part was we had a job interview. And uh, they asked me, okay, how and why did you do this? Yeah? And I explained this, how it technically worked and why. I said, okay, a short answer and a long answer. Short answer is because it's technically possible. yeah. And long answer, um, because I think it makes the process of decision-making, of job interviews, et cetera, way more transparent and way more fair for both sides. 
In the end, I didn't got the job uh, because I said you are not speaking Danish, but that was fine. Yeah, and um, and then I talked to to my co-founder or my 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 co-founder today, um, uh, Markus Halbring. Um, he's he's a doctor in psychology, and he came from an investment conference uh, during this time, and um, he was my neighbor. Yeah. And we met to have a glass of wine together. And he came from this investor uh, investment conference uh, where he was as a psychologist assessing potential investment targets yeah, for an investor uh, and to find out uh, do they behave with integrity, etc. cetera. And um, I told him about what I did and he said, okay, no way, that's not possible. Uh, that there's so much information in the written text of people that you can kind of come up with information about uh, uh, personality profiles or psycholo uh, psychological aspects. And then we did kind of feasibility study uh, during this time with, with IBM together. Um, IBM Watson, uh, they had kind of first technology in this field. And then we really figured out, okay, there's a lot of information in text that could be used Uh, for different, for different, uh, or as a, as a different source of information, yeah. And by by doing the study, we realized, okay, it absolutely is worth uh, to invest in this field and go deeper in this technology and really build something. And then um, we decided, okay, the data that we have, the market is there. There is, uh, we have direct access to to companies uh, based uh, on on what we did before. And um, and then we the, the the only question we asked ourselves okay should we partner with IBM yeah or should we do it on our own and uh, as non techie uh, what is the answer the answer is okay if IBM can do it we can do it on our own yeah and um, then we said okay if we if we do it on our own we definitely want to outperform IBM yeah but sure what else should we say. Uh, and then I remember we pitched uh, we pitched in 2019, uh, 2018, sorry, before we founded the company, we pitched at uh, Fit for Start. Yeah? Um, and um, we were so hyped by our idea and we had data and we had first collaboration partner, co-creation partner. We had no money and no employees, I have to add, yeah. And no one, uh, no one in the founders team who were able to, to write one line of algorithm. And then we, we got the feedback, okay, you are not chosen for fit for start. And we oh no, it cannot be. And then we, we asked the, the jury, okay, why? Why? Yeah. And they said, okay, guys, honestly, um, we discussed a lot about you. Um, and we believe if you are able to build this, yeah, this technology, you will build a rocket. Yeah. But if we look at at, at you as founders we don't believe that you were able to do this. And we said, okay, honestly, you're right. Yeah, we cannot build this algorithm. So that meant um, that we had to find uh, people that are able to really write these algorithms and develop this technology. And when you said before, said you are a problem solver, um, I would more say uh, I'm the one asking the questions yeah, or raising the problem and uh, fall in love with the problem. And then we have an amazing team uh, now consisting of, of 30 people in Luxembourg that are able to solve these problems. Yeah. And uh, that was how we started. We said, okay, uh, if we are able to create technology to help uh, translate text information, in the end, it's a translator. Yeah, Translate 
text information of a person into, for example, psychological informations uh, and not translating in another language, then uh, we have a technology that makes, for example, selection recruitment processes way more objective, way more valid, way more unbiased. And that is, that is the first vertical we started with and built now within this human resource or we, we prefer human experience yeah, because in the end it's about the experience that we create for people and in jobs or in work life. We created a bunch of products based on text analysis, yeah? always processing text of people. And one point that, that, that is very important for us is that we work with, uh, with active data. So we ask actively candidates if they apply for a job to answer six text questions. If we, for example, want to know more about employees or organizational culture, we ask actively to answer a text question. That has also an ethical reason. yeah. So for sure, we could analyze all the text that is available. But uh, when talking about the use of AI, it should be in an ethically correct way. And that is how we, how we approach it. So as you just said, this uh, natural language processing is about translating, essentially, something that um, in the vast universe of where you find information on the internet, for instance, or anywhere, you know, we've got a lot of information, but that doesn't mean that the human eye can process it and and uh, and derive the information that they after. So, I mean, it's it's very very clear on what you're trying to achieve and and make the decision making process leaner and more and more informed in that case. But for the again for the benefit of the audience, do you have any actual examples that you can walk me through? Just to have you know. Walk me through a client and say, oh, actually, I like your technology. This is the problem that I have, like a very acute problem. Mm-hmm. I want to hire you guys. So maybe let me, let, me, uh, let me go one step back. Yeah. So the technology that we are using, natural language processing, um, is incredibly powerful yeah? because it is able to really understand the meaning of the words, the meaning of what you are saying. Yeah. So a very good example is we did, for example, an employee uh, survey with one of our clients yeah and uh, we are not working with items for example yeah where you have to cross agree or not agree we give the people the chance to answer in their own in their own words express their meanings express what is important for them in their own words and we ask for example okay what is what is especially good about your company and then we had one case uh, it was uh, it was a bank in Germany, and um, there they they answered uh, something about okay, it's uh, we have the chance to exchange holidays into money. Uh, we have the chance to um, to when we have three days left, we get some extra money for this, or vice versa. So everybody wrote this in their own words. Yeah, so it was not like that. There is a fixed term for this. And the algorithm is able to understand, yeah. And then, for example, cluster these answers together and say, "Look, people that are super happy in your company talking about exactly this topic, even if they don't use the same words, yeah." So that means we can really understand people within their own words, yeah. And the cool part is, 
that we can also do this multilingual. Yeah, saying okay, um, in, in 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 Luxembourg we are uh, by nature multilingual. Yeah, so everybody could answer uh, this survey in their language they they are preferring. So might it be French, Luxembourgish, English, German, and it is processable. Yeah, so and that's that's one of the parts where we say okay, that that opens complete new fields. Another case is uh, it's a classical one. A company asked us, "Okay, we want to uh, we want to um, select the perfect uh, the perfect leader uh, or manager for for our company, and then they are using, for example, uh, our certified select tool, where we can um, where we can assess um, these psychological dimensions that uh, have big impact on on leadership success, uh, career success." Um, but also, let's say the the more destructive sides. Yeah. So talking about integrity, talking about narcissism, Machiavellism, etc. And then um, the company sends out just a link. Yeah. From our side, the candidate is asked to uh, run through this uh, online assessment. We're answering text questions, so we need about three hundred fifty words of a person, and then we come up with the results. And mostly. Companies uh, share these results also with the candidates and use this then um, for one of the job interviews or as part of their selection processes. And it's in the end, it saves you kind of complete assessment center. Yeah, so it takes the person or the candidate half an hour, forty-five minutes. Always depends on how much people are writing. Yeah, we have also candidates writing their whole life down. But for you as a decision maker. Uh, within within one glance, you get really an idea uh, or a good idea uh, of who you are talking to at the moment. I was thinking about another example that you didn't mention, and and again, let me think about how to phrase it. At the end of the day, you want to s- select someone, a, a leader in your case, who can execute a strategy at the company. So essentially, you want to make sure that the company has got a, a viable future because the person can execute, they can lead. Uh, their people throughout throughout that journey. For a, I'm thinking about now because at the time of, re- of the recording, we are recording on the 15th of November, and the crypto world is experiencing a lot of uh, difficulty at the minute. And um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too much into detail, but uh, it, it seems like a, a whole uh, empire is um, is sort of crumbling at the minute. So if I am a, a venture capital uh, firm, for instance, and Oftentimes, based on my own experience, venture capitalists they they choose founders because they, there's some some crazy element to it, you know, because they are crazy enough to think that this will work, even if it's the craziest mm-hmm. idea. Do you think so? We'll sortify again based on an active decision, sort of subject to consent of the candidate. Will this tool actually give them the components that the venture capitalist need? Venture capitalist, sorry, needs. To, to say, well, okay, this is this is this guy's crazy enough to to go for it, and it's got the ability to do that. Or will your solution provide a very sort of very objective assessment, so that you know it's it's not going to tick all the boxes, if that makes sense? Yeah, the the audience cannot see us, yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm nodding the whole time, yeah, and uh, I can say yes, um, and that is also. Uh, one of the use cases we have. So we have. Um, uh, a lot of investors using our technology already for this, yeah, for for let's say a psychological due diligence process, and um, 
the interesting thing is uh, also uh, we talked a bit about academia and research before. So there's some interesting research uh, exactly on this field, yeah, and and very much dealing with with narcissism. Yeah, so last year we published one of the biggest studies on narcissism worldwide, and we know, for example, that there are strong correlations between leadership emergence, who got the leader, and narcissism, leadership effectiveness, yeah, and they tend to raise more money in the first rounds, yeah, because they are super convincing, they are visionary, they really can make this disruptive picture. And then on the midterm, you see that this this coin flips, yeah, and you see, okay, there's a downside. Um, there's a lot of ego topics. There's, uh, let's say, not the willing to let other people participate or grow as a team, grow as 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 a company, in 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 sense of that that other people can also participate on this, and that is a real problem, yeah, and. Um, you named one example, and I think uh, in the in the um, in the nearer past there are way more examples where exactly uh, this happens very very often. Yeah, and we see exactly this that VCs love these people. Yeah, because it's kind of they give them the idea. Okay, it's a bet on a potential next unicorn. And that is really that is really a, um, a problem where we can what we cannot solve honestly, yeah, because in the end the VC takes the decision. But uh, in sense of risk management, um, you maybe better know who you're investing in, and you have a chance maybe to have kind of yeah regulatory uh, in sense of feedback or providing advisors or setting up a team around this person. So it's 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 more transparency in the game. But in the end, the question is, um, if there is this chance for this unicorn bet, I would say uh, a lot of investors still go for it. So it's gut feeling, are you saying? They they, they make that decision on the gut feeling because I, I, was, I was mentioning earlier the um, crypto uh, world, Again, not going to name this the person that's now big in the news, but he's been supported by what, well, amongst other things, or amongst other investors, by SoftBank, and we know SoftBank's history, uh, or the leader mm -hmm. that founded uh, SoftBank has has had an history of of um, choosing his investments based a lot a lot based on the on, on the founder's personality, and and again, there's a lot of this crazy element to it. So it's mainly, yeah, as you say, it's mainly the risk approach to, to sort of master the risk approach, and still, you know, if, if they if they think the unicorn is there. Then they need to kind of, of course, yeah. There's uh, you need to go for it. Otherwise, it's not gonna, it's not going to work. From from our own experience, yeah. Um, to be honest, if if writing a, a business plan, yeah, or you can you can crunch numbers, etc. But in the end, they want to have kind of story behind. In the end, a company, a startup, in the first stages, depends on the founders. Yeah. So and. Um, and that is quite interesting. We discussed a lot with investors, yeah. So, and we said, okay, you are doing such an such an uh, intense due diligence process, yeah. You you really check for everything, yeah. But how do you check one of the let's say biggest potentials, but also biggest risks in this whole uh, story? Uh, the founder, yeah. And uh, yeah, okay, we talk to them or we meet for dinner or we invite them and the families, etc. Yeah, but in the end, it goes back to gut feeling. Yeah, 
and um, and that is something where where in, in VC normally we have the case saying okay with one investment it has to go uh, time ten time fifty whatever yeah to cover the rest of the portfolio of it Chris so that means you have to have this one shot and by going let's say the more risk averse uh, way thinking about that might be a chance to cover the rest of the portfolio. Uh, VCs tend to do this. Now, moving back to um, to Luxembourg on on this occasion. So you, again, you, you launched a business there. But one of the key questions I'd like to ask is your potential clients or your clients, we were talking about VC earlier. There's not many VCs in Luxembourg, right? So um, you might have a big population of people who would be interested in your product in London, in, uh, I suppose, in Paris, Berlin all those places where you've got um, a lot of stuff happening or more stuff happening than in Luxembourg. So my question to you is, I mean, you alluded to it earlier, you went through the Fitful Start program, which is uh, essentially a a government-sponsored scheme to, to help founders, um, you know, start up their business and, and get the funding and, and support for it. But overall, general question, how can Luxembourg help you to grow even further? Um, for us, Luxembourg uh, is, is the perfect place because... Um, we are we are in a very very niche or very um expert field yeah um so we have uh, kind of own research institute on natural language processing on uh, ui ux to make explainable ai and um for this you need super talented and expert people yeah and um for us we in Luxembourg, there's a chance to really recruit from all over the world and and get people very fast in the country and and make them make them part of our journey. That is something uh, what is really um, an advantage for 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 young companies um, competing with all the finance industry that is able to pay way high salaries than we could do. And another point is that. Um, you immediately have to start think and act outside of Luxembourg because, as you mentioned, the market. Yes, we have a lot of clients in Luxembourg uh, from HR fields. Uh, we have also other companies reaching out uh, to use our technology to analyze their client feedbacks, whatever. Uh, but you have to, from from day one, you have to start think about, for example, on a European scale. Yeah. And that really changes the way you, you see the markets, the way you approach markets. And that is something what, uh, what helps us uh, very much to, to really go for this European journey. Yeah? And then you have, let's say, the, 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 the second part, and that is uh, the whole funding uh, ecosystem in Luxembourg. And I would say it's, um, I don't know any other European country where you have, for example, this uh, Jean Entreprise Innovant grant where you got uh, really big money from the state to, to go for the next stage with your company or for research and development reasons. So what, what I see is if you, if you have jumped over, let's say, uh, um, a specific uh, step, yeah, in your journey, then Luxembourg really provides you with everything to to grow, to go abroad, and to to let's say 
uh, from Luxembourg uh, to Europe. Yeah, and that is something what what might be a problem for 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 the ecosystem. Yeah, that you don't have, for example, for the first stages for ideation processes for coming up with with the first draft of your project uh, of your product, etc. Uh, there I see a gap um, that is missing. Um, in other countries, you have these founder scholarships, for example, yeah, where you have kind of a monthly salary or something like this. Yeah? And that is something where, where Luxembourg has, has fit for start, yeah? has some other accelerator programs. Um, but this, let's say, this initial investments, that is something what you don't see in Luxembourg. Yeah, it's a bit of an. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't consider Luxembourg as a uh, a native startup nation. Put it that way. It's uh, it's great for people that um, have had a bit of existence beforehand, and then they can they can kind of prop you up a little bit more and accelerate the the, the growth cycle. But again, that comes and and we've said that many times on the podcast. It's also a question of culture. Luxembourg is not known for being a risk taking culture by nature. I mean, I'm talking about the native population here. Yeah, but it, on, on, on the same hand, uh, what, what, what we experience is that, um, that it's um, kind of more mature yeah, uh, ecosystem. So um, if, you, if, you, if you go to Berlin or to, to other, other European cities, you see a lot of come and go. Yeah. So and um, what I perceive in Luxembourg, so we are, we are based in a house of startups since the first day uh, in the Luxembourg City Incubator. And we, um, we still see a lot of familiar faces. So that means these startups or these young companies are still existing. Yeah? And I think it's the, after the first year or the first three years, it's kind of uh, uh, three out of 10 survive. Yeah? And I would say that the ratio uh, in, let's say, from my perspective in the ecosystem in Luxembourg is higher. So that would be something might be interesting to analyze. To come closer to the um, to wrapping up this this conversation, Florian, we give a bit of ter- of airtime to you to kind of do a bit of uh, self promotion here. So, how about when you hire people? So, first of all, what is your ideal candidate? Even before even running your algorithm, what's your I- ideal candidate who wants to join Sortify? And and of course, cheeky question is, do you run your own or do you apply your own medicine to your candidates? Yes, um, that's that's a good question. Since we are growing, as I said, uh, we have now uh, 30 people. Today, another colleague starts in uh, December, three more start. You have, to, you have to also kind of, let's say, change the way uh, how, we, how we recruit, how we select people. Yeah? Uh, until now, it's kind of a um, story of friends. Yeah? So a lot of recommendations. For example, we never posted a job for, these, um, for data science or NLP within our team yeah but we have uh, one of the big parts of our team is the sortify labs where we have all the nlp experts and we never posted any job it's like by recommendation it's by being recognized on linkedin on the activities on the fairs etc and then we talk to people yeah and um, the first the first and most important thing is that it's a cultural match yeah so we always claim it as as a free environment no matter how experienced someone is, no matter what the CV looks like, and fun fact, I never, I never read any CV of one of the of our of our employees. Yeah, so um, I don't believe in in CVs in this sense that it's uh, you always look okay what what was done in the past, yeah, and then you try to anticipate what the person could do in the future. 
and therefore i believe in in um it's it's so called multi trades multi methods yeah so metrics so having having different different things a person could do and it depends really on on the position we are looking for if we are looking for a coder it makes sense to really check the quality of what they are coding yeah if it's if it's more marketing related okay get an idea for example how would they transport our ideas that people can understand outside and then um, it's talking with with team members, uh, talking with, uh, with 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 the other colleagues. Yeah, so um, for sure we do our analysis. Yeah, so and uh, honestly, we 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 selected people based on these results. Yeah, sure. So if if someone has uh, scores in in or percentage scores in in, in their profiles. Um, where we say, okay, that's something where we have some questions. Yeah? And then we ask and we, we reflect with the candidates on their individual profiles and to see, okay, how self-aware they are, what is, what is, let's end, uh, what is, what is in the end? Um, is there, is there this, this sparkle in the eye and is there this, this willingness to, to really create something with us? Yeah. So it's, we, we have complete flat hierarchies. Uh, it's a lot of um, ownership, yeah, and that is something what you see if someone is really willing to take ownership, yeah, and and really create this journey with us. And then we have, if it's possible in times of of a lockdown, it was not always possible. And we invite for a team lunch, yeah, and that is always part of the process. And uh, and the interesting thing is, we we got very often feedback also from the colleagues that are working with us now or from candidates. Um, it doesn't feel like a real recruitment process, yeah? especially the team lunch. And the team lunch is, from my perspective, one of the, the most important parts yeah? because you cannot prepare this. You don't know how your colleagues behave at this day, what, what to prepare as, as, as a candidate. And that is really where, where we learn the most after our, our Spotify. Uh, select. Florian, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. It was an amazing conversation and very interesting to uh, get more insights into what you guys do um, at uh, Sortify. And so I shall be looking out for all the changes coming up. And as you say, the team is growing. So uh, a lot of interesting things must be in the pipe uh, in the coming months and years then. Yes, thank you very much and stay tuned. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Lux Unplugged podcast. Please share this podcast with friends and family and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, please don't forget to visit our website, luxunplugged.com. And see you next time.